Welcome to Rise of RevOps. In this episode, Ian talks with Scott Hoffman, Chief Revenue Officer of GFT USA. GFT is a digital transformation IT professional services firm that develops sustainable solutions based on new technologies, including artificial intelligence and blockchain. Today, Scott will describe the accountability aspect of RevOps and building empathy between teams and clients. He'll also explain why tools can't replace thoughtful strategy and development in the industry. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest. Scott, how are you? I'm great, Ian. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? Doing well. Excited to chat about GFT, chat about RevOps, about revenue, and uh, your background, everything in between. This episode, as always, is brought to you by Qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Every single marketer out there needs Qualified in their toolkit or RevOps person. So go to qualified.com to learn more. Let's get into it. What was your first job in revenue? Well, as, as I think many of the uh, the guests you've had in the show say, it was a long and interesting journey to get to where they are today with uh, within the revenue space. But mine started uh, 25 years ago in professional services, uh, but being really on the delivery side of the house. So I, I, uh, I grew up in a startup in professional services. And then there was an inflection point about 10 years ago where as we continued to grow, we needed to focus a little bit more on our sales uh, channeling, uh, our sales strategy, and I moved over into the, the the sales role. And it's an interesting thing to have gone from in professional services just delivery to sales because in that industry there is um, uh, usually a, a, a little bit of a headbutting between those two organizations, right? The 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 delivery folks say, well, we're the folks that are doing all of the hard work and the lifting, and the sales guys get all the credit, and the sales guys say, I'm working so hard to get these relationships and false these relationships and the delivery people go in and mess things up for me. So having sat on both sides, it really gave me some some interesting insight into kind of where the push-pull of those things are. And then trying to realize back then, about 10 years ago, how to bring those areas together. We weren't using the term RevOps, but in reality, as we started to break down those silos, we were in fact operating in a sort of a RevOps type of culture. And for our listeners who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit more about GFT. Yeah, so GFT is a global uh, digital transformation IT professional services firm. Uh, so what that means is we help clients around the world on their digital transformation journeys. Pretty much, uh, for the most part, focused on banking, financial services, insurance, and manufacturing. So uh, when a bank says that we want to upgrade and update our banking core from some legacy technology into something new to be more agile, to open more opportunities for new revenue streams, uh, we help them on that journey. Or perhaps they say we want to get rid of our uh, legacy infrastructure. We want to move that infrastructure into the cloud. How do we do that? What are the strategies? We're a size of around 10,000 people uh, globally, just just shy of 10,000, which puts us in an interesting niche of being what we, we consider big enough to deliver but still small enough to care and provide that sort of white glove service that that our that our customers uh, our customers need and want. And and your remit as as CRO, what uh, what what are you in charge of? My role as Chief Revenue Officer in in US is basically to 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 run the business of the US. So 
you know, aside from a couple of areas around HR and a little bit of finance from the perspective of a check and balance, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for what we do and how we do it within the U.S. So, um, you know, very classically in the in the in the RevOps world, that means that that I have responsibility and accountability around marketing, how we go to market, uh, what our what our brand awareness strategy is, um, what the solutions are that we want to develop and build and put out into market the manner in which we put those to market, the sales organization and how we develop those relationships and, and, and build trust with a client to uh, eventually use us to help them on these strategic transformative journeys, and then delivery and making sure that what we deliver, what we sold, we deliver with excellence. And so how does your, how does RevOps come into play? How do you think about, you know, your definition of RevOps and, and what would, uh, or what does your team look like? In professional services, the, that, that, overarching manifestation, the cultural aspect of it is maybe slightly different from a product-based company, for instance. So in a product-based world, you know, there, there's usually a little bit tighter at times, a little tighter um, joining of marketing and sales, but then perhaps more of a chasm between sales and client success or customer success or, you know, whatever, whatever the terminology is that that company uses, primarily because you've sold them a thing and then the other group is really worried about making sure that they're, that that client is using that thing efficiently and effectively and inevitably signs back up. In the professional services world, however, um, you know, marketing and sales still have a very tight alignment, need that tight alignment, but there's even tighter alignment with the delivery organization. Because in fact, what we're selling is the delivery organization itself, is the people that are, that are, that are working with the clients and building those relations and, and, and trust. So, so by the very nature of our business, there has to be a tight connection between these entities. And in reality, I think what we what you see a lot of times in professional services, and, and I've been in this business basically my entire career, is that sales and tech uh, sales and delivery are actually usually much more closely related and marketing is a little bit more off to the side. And it's the, so my job happens a lot of times to be able to pull the marketing side in and really connect the dots in, in, in that way. Yeah. I think for a lot of RevOps teams, it sort of starts as just a sales off sales ops function and maybe marketing as a marketing ops function. And then sort of there's a thrust to, to say, okay, we need a little bit more of a, you know, 360 degree look at sales marketing, customer success, and sort of they're all, they all play together at this point now. Um, the the buying journey is is so connected at this point, anyways. So we kind of need to do it. So I I feel like having marketing sort of being the 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 third child of this makes sense. The marketing message has to be both impactful but also incredibly broad because the range of services that we provide is vast. Right, we have lots of capability from very early on a on a sort of a project pipeline around ideation and innovation and and, and design oriented principles and persona and journey development and prototypical experience design but then also we have to build things and architect things and test things and run things and those things can be extremely varied if for one client it can be something deep in data analytics and something else it could be a cloud application and something else it could be a mobile uh, application the marketing team has to find something where 
it's not just the lowest common denominator that resonates, but has to speak specifically. Who exactly am I talking to in exactly what industry with exactly the issues that they potentially have and really hone and craft that issue? And again, I, I understand a product company has similar uh, challenges and and certainly has similar, uh, you know, sort of journey of one or marketing of one type of, uh, of strategies. Um, but typically they're selling a thing or a couple of things with a few pure mutations, right? Whereas us, it's extremely vast. So, so again, kind of pulling that in and making sure that it lines up. What we said is what we sell. What we sell is what we do. And what we do, we do really well. And it feeds back into the loop. It's very critical, you know, uh, for us as we continue to develop trust with the client. Any other thoughts on, uh, on RevOps strategy um, before we get on to the next segment? There is a concept now, but it was a burgeoning concept 15 years ago um, called DevOps. But yeah. DevOps today really means the automation of a certain aspect of the development lifecycle of software. Um, so it's automating how we deploy and test and, and you know, manage software. But if you go back in time, DevOps really was a philosophical change that said that you're going to create a team and the team is wholly responsible for a product or features within a product. So it meant a financial ownership, a customer ownership, a technical ownership. Um, that, that, that was, the, that was the, the, the philosophical ethos, right? The cultural element of DevOps. But it, it devolved, if I should use that word, into test, you know, automation of stuff. My hope here is that RevOps doesn't, do, doesn't follow that pattern. That RevOps is a cultural aspect. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accountability aspect. It's a, it's a deriving empathy between these different, you know, unique areas of, of skill to understand how we each impact the other. Um, and it doesn't devolve into tools, just lots of tools. And we can automate all these things. And we know everything about a client. And that's the end of it. And, and there's a dashboard and, and you're done. The human aspect and, the, and that accountability aspect, I think, is, is probably the most interesting and critical thing. If you're head of RevOps or it could be a head of go-to-market strategy and ops, and then they have a RevOps leader under them and then a strategy team under them so that they're looking at things strategically and they're looking at things operationally. And like That, to me, is a really fascinating sort of like idea. Um, some RevOps leaders have that sort of strategy piece under them, and then other RevOps teams are more you know sort of like ticket-taking from sales marketing and customer success, carving territories, doing the just traditional, you know, ops, ops sort of things. Um, and I think it's an interesting, you know, standpoint that it's not just sort of someone who is using a bunch of tools, but trying to find the the truth, the way through the noise. I'm a big believer in empathy-driven action. Again, in particular with professional services, it applies to other industries as well. But in professional services, you know, something I like to always talk about with our with my sales teams in particular is, you know, if you're not selling downstream, someone won't have a job, right? It's not just hitting your number, right? It's not just, I have a target, here's my forecast, you know, I've got everything in my CRM, the client, you know, they're, they're not ready to make a purchase, there's nothing we can do about it, we've sent them all the material, we've done the workshops, and, you know, we'll, we'll ping them in a, in a few months. There's a human aspect, which is we're selling human capability, Right. We're selling at the end of the day people to go and work with clients in a trusted and partnership uh, model. Understanding that and really putting yourselves in the shoes of the folks around you, I think, is absolutely critical, in particular in this industry. 
So having that kind of mindset, understanding that from from a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective, and from a delivery perspective, that how how intertwined that is to make, uh, and how important that is to the individuals involved. Um, for their livelihoods, for their families, I think is 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 really critical. Again, that's why I think the cultural aspect of RevOps is 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 the most important aspect, uh, you know, of it. Breaking down those silos, but it, at the end of the day, make sure people understand the impact of what I do on those other folks, and vice versa. I think is is the most critical thing, and the one that will make a, a, a true RevOps team successful. All right, let's get to our first segment: Rev obstacles, where we talk about the hardest parts of RevOps. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to what? There's your obstacle! What's one of the hardest problems that you faced in the last six months or so, and how did you solve it? There have been numerous obstacles. That, uh, the, the largest one's really not RevOps specific, is simply the fact that over that first six months, you have to find out what you don't know. Right. So, so walking into a new organization, by the way, GFT is a 37 year old company. It's been around for many years, but the U S and the presence in the U S is younger and smaller. So the U S feels more like a startup, but it's operating inside of a company that's well established for many, many years. I come from a startup world and, and trying to understand that, that, you know, you kind of have to pump the brakes sometimes and, and really understand the legacy. Uh, appreciate that legacy and move forward uh, is is critical, but the 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 I mean more specific to the RevOps focus is really understand the measures and metrics that are involved here. It's a complex environment, uh, a lot of different ways in which you know financial components are measured, um, and and people are incented by the way uh, across a, a wide array of of financial metrics KPIs. Um, to, to a lesser extent, but growing now OKRs, uh, you know, pulling those pieces in. So, so, th- so that's been probably the biggest challenge for me. I, I feel I'm very lucky to have, to have come into and inherited in some places or uh, joined in other places a very mature team who really know what the heck they're doing. There's still a, a few unknown unknowns that I have to I have to suss out a little bit in order to make sure that that I'm being yeah. impactful as a leader. You, you know, but I think folks that are in this this type of role. Um, you know, a, a, a multidisciplinary role from a leadership perspective, certainly a chief revenue officer would fall into that, not falling victim to the tyranny of the urgent. So a lot of times, especially coming into a new company, you know, you, you want to make an impact as quickly as you can, uh, but not make a, a, a foolish mistake too early by the same token. I, I always thought that that term was really a great term. And it's one that you can check yourself on frequently, which is, am I falling victim to the tyranny of the urgent? Uh, and, you know, where's that value? So, so, you know, those are all, those are all aspects of, you know, being new to a company and trying to understand and then pulling all the tools together in order to, to, to make sure that, that, you know, we're optimized to, to what we need to do. But the, those are, those have been my biggest obstacles to date. What about a RevOps moment? And not, not so much in this particular role today, now at GFT, but in the past, I definitely fell victim to uh, relying too much or looking too deeply into a problem being solved by a tool as opposed to a problem being solved by thoughtful strategy and and development of a proper process. And I know many people on on, on your podcast have, have mentioned that same thing uh, from the other perspective, right? Don't let the tool dictate what you do. Don't think that all these tools are going to solve your problems. You really need to understand, you know, the overarching process. So, 
So something now that I follow that I, that, that I didn't in the past where I just I said, oh, my God, you know, why, why are we thinking about all this? Salesforce has already figured it out. Let's just implement sales cloud. Everything's going to be fine, uh, you know, earlier in my career and then realizing, well, that's actually made things a thousand times worse. We really need to nail, nail it down. So I use a process called engagement blueprinting now. Uh, some people call it service blueprinting. It's many, many different names for it, but basically says, you know, draw out the, the human journey, draw out the business process and where those connect, draw out underneath that the systems that are support that business process. So really focusing in on, okay, exactly where our SG&A is at, the, at this exact moment against our existing forecast and how do we adjust based on current market conditions in order to go and, uh, you know, maximize profitability over this one small period of time, this month, this next month, as opposed to saying, what are the, what are the trends? What should we be focused in on right now? That's going to give us success 18 months from now, two years from now, and, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, combination, a combination of those things, a little, little tool focus sometimes, definitely getting a little too down into the weeds um, and, and losing track of the bigger picture. I, I've, I've made some significant oops <laughs> in the past on those. All right, let's get to our next segment, the tool shed, where we're talking tools, spreadsheets, and metrics, just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. No B2B tool shed is complete without Qualified. Go to Qualified.com right now and check them out. Let's get into the tool shed. Hey, hey Brandon, Michael, want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed. This is my favorite place, <laughs> the tool shed. Get off the shed! Scott, what's in your tool shed? Let me tell you, and before before we start, I got to tell you, you're, you're the the clips that you play right before we or as as we go into this segment, you have one of my favorite clips of all time of Will Farrell yelling at the kids to get off the shed. I love that clip. I love yeah, that so, so much. I think it's so funny. It made me laugh so much when I heard the first time one of the first episodes you saw. And by the way, that's actually a really good sort of uh, example of tyranny of the urgent. What's more important at that moment? Was it the conversation he's going to have to create a lasting relationship with his neighbors or screaming at his kid? Now, of course, if the kid was in you know, danger, that's one thing. But my, I, I like to think that, it, that no one was in danger. It was just annoyed that he said to get off the shed. But anyway, I, lo- I, love, that, uh, I love that opening. So uh, it's cool. Um, you know, as, as a new parent, I can, I can attest that I'm, I'm going to be yelling to get off the shed. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to escape it. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I, I love her to pieces. It is very easy to fall into that exact pattern of, you know, uh, overcorrecting, uh, let's say. But to talk about tools specifically, we're, we're not, we, I wouldn't say that, that at GFT, we're at the bleeding edge. Um, I think we have the right mix for our business and, and what we do. So it, it's, it, it runs, it covers most of the categories that you would expect with some automation and, and integration inside of that. So, you know, we have different sets of uh, Salesforce tools, primarily Pardot from a marketing perspective and um, Salesforce Sales Cloud to, to do our opportunity management, you know, our typical CRM type of uh, activity. Uh, from a sales perspective, we also use some tools that are quite common, Zoom Info, which I'm sure many of, uh, of your other guests use all the time, and LinkedIn Sales Navigator to help you know, create those networks and, and, and navigate each other's networks. Um, the, the, really, the, the cornerstone for us, or the keystone maybe, is, is um, a, a professional services automation tool 
Uh, it's called Kimball. So that has all of our active engagements. It's built on top of Salesforce, by the way, uh, you know, uh, force.com. Uh, so, so that, that allows us to kind of tie it all together. So I can move all the way from, you know, my marketing into my pre-sales and sales activity as things convert to, uh, you know, a sold engagement that moves directly into Kimball. So I can follow what's going on, how we're developing, how we're delivering against the, 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 the expected metrics, uh, the expected, you know, revenue and margin associated with that. So it's really, it's nicely tied together from that perspective. And then, we use um, Power BI uh, to kind of bring it all together and show uh, a lot of different views. We're, we're not we're not big uh, Excel users any longer. Um, that that was there before I before I showed up. Excel for me is now only a tool when I just want to do some very fast modeling. But that that's our core stack. We don't do a lot. Um, we don't do a lot in the AI side of um, you know sort of customer insight. At the moment, um, although I'm exploring that right now, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit different again in professional services because we're, we're not targeting typically individuals. It's a little difficult sometimes for those tools that, that, that are a little bit more focused on finding a person or finding an exact need and then trying to extrapolate from that the 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 the, the appropriate sales cycle. Yeah. Anyway, that 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 makes up the the bulk of of what we do. Yeah, this the, I was I was checking out the uh, Cantata, um, formerly Kimball PSA. Uh, native app. That's pretty cool. I, it's something that we don't hear a lot because we don't have a lot of um, professional services you know, on the show. So what does it give you insights to that are specific? Because it seems like it's uh, about like resource management as well. It is very much so. It's, ve- it's, it's somewhat analogous to an ERP for a manufacturer. We have our inventory, and that sounds absolutely horrendous because the inventory is human beings, but at the end of the day, it's where we have all of the people that deliver anything uh, to any of our, our our clients. So we we know who we have, what their skill sets are, what their availability is, what their associated costs are, uh, and then we can f- we can make projects. So so when I when we sell a, a deal to a large bank to help them on their migration from their on-prem infrastructure to let's say Amazon AWS cloud, right? We'll set up a teams or mm-hmm. one or more teams. Uh, those teams will be assembled in Kimball. Those teams will have different uh, milestones, different uh, you know project plan associated with that that we also can set up in Kimball. And then what we do is we can track that on a regular basis. So we can track where we are from a project perspective. We can also track it from the financial perspective too. How are we doing? You know the the cost of our resources is constantly in flux. Right? It's a very it's a very complicated business yeah. um, because it's not just you know, okay, once a year, people might get a raise. It's, you know, we're delivering with people from Mexico, Costa Rica, Canada, Brazil, Spain, Germany, Poland. And every day their costs are, are, are moving be, just because of currency fluctuation, FX, right? So, so these systems allow us to say what's actually happening and what is the cost at completion because our, our, our rates are set. Um, so we can make adjustments. We can understand exactly where we are from a uh, status perspective, but then also like a financial perspective as well. So it's the primary system with which we understand revenue to cost uh, overarchingly for our margin. And then we bake in the uh, SG&A costs on top of that all to understand what our true operating margin is. So it's very it's very handy tool. There, there are others. There are other professional services tools out there uh, like that. I use uh, The company I used to work for 
uh, prior that I came up in, uh, we used something called Open Air, which got bought by NetSuite. And then we moved to something called Financial Force, which was also a very, an exceptionally good uh, platform and tool. Uh, everything from modeling uh, a team and costs associated with for proposaling all the way through to actual execution of a project. So yeah, for, for anybody who's in this model where, where it's professional services, the, um, the, the Kimball, Financial Force, those are both really great, great tools. And they're real time, they're or near real time. What about some areas that you want to invest, some things that you want to invest over the, over the coming year, whether it's from a sales perspective or marketing perspective? We have great aspiration to continue to do brand awareness, in particular in the United States. As I said, the, the company's you know, of a decent size, of a significant size, and has a good global footprint. But in the U.S., the brand is not well known. We're working very hard to try to increase that brand awareness. And I'm looking across a bunch of different tools along with my head of marketing and our, our global marketing team, which are extremely, they're wonderful and extremely supportive to help us sort of guide that path. So, so what's the best way to get the message out there? And as I said, and it, it's really a very unique message to, to, to each, not even persona, but person. Um, that, that we have to push it out to. So I'm just, I'm just starting an exploration now. It's one of the things that actually brought me to, uh, to your podcast uh, earlier <laughs> was to, to listen to some of, some of, of my colleagues in, in other spaces and, and hear what tools are working out for them. I'm not a big believer in uh, running a very lengthy and expensive vendor evaluation. And I shouldn't necessarily say that publicly because a lot of times we get hired to do that for other firms. But the reality, I think somebody else, another guest on, on, on one of your shows had mentioned that if you pick the top three or four in any one of the categories, you're probably going to be just fine, right? It's more about, it's more about your strategy, your process and whatnot. So, so I'm in that mode right now of kind of looking at, especially on the marketing automation, marketing operations side of the house, what we can do to increase our efficiency and effectiveness of getting the name out there and then getting the right message to the right person at the right time. And we use Power BI, but it's relatively new for us to kind of pull it all together and uh, and have those visualizations so we can have real-time insight into what we're trying to do uh, and and pivot where we need to pivot, especially in today's market with with all the fluctuations. No one knows what the heck's going to happen uh, with the debt ceiling crisis, with, uh, you know, how that'll affect global economy, how it'll affect FX for us. Um, so, you know, continue to push down that path with with additional, I don't say tooling, but additional visualizations and dashboards in order to really know the health of of where we are from a sales and from a delivery perspective are, are high on my list. Um, so that that's where we that's where we intend to go from a tool perspective, at least that's where we that's where we intend to go. Culturally, however, what I'm really trying to do is what we said at the top of the uh, of the of the show here, which was just, you know, really making sure people understand the impact that each of us has on the other um, and, and, and making, making it very personal. Can I go to bed tonight and say, I did everything I possibly could to make sure that I maximized not just value to the client, but value to my fellow coworkers, you know, the folks that are relying on the sales organization, the marketing organization to get the message out there so that we have billable work to do that. That's an area that I will continue to push forever as part of, as part of my role in any company, including this one. Any, uh, any other blind spots or things that you wish you could be measuring better? I'd love to have a better sense of an, an, an unbiased objective sense of the client's sentiment towards the work that we not, not just the work that we're doing, but the, the, the sale itself. It's a, it's a tough thing in our industry in almost any industry. It's a really tough thing to get details from a client that said no. 
really understanding the decision criteria and just having some honest feedback to say, here's why we didn't select you. It's difficult to do for a variety of reasons. So I, I love to try to get as many insights as I can, honest and objective insights on that side of the house. And then from a delivery perspective, there's many tools and techniques to understand how a customer feels about what you're actually delivering. Net promoter score obviously is one that we can use all the time. But, uh, but I, I still find that sometimes they're a little bit biased. So I'd, I'd let, you know, any, any tooling, any process that, that really provides an, uh, you know, an objective and unbiased view. And so how are we really doing? What do you really feel? And how can I do better? At times you might get one or two you know, surveys back from a client. And that's not really the sample set that you need. You need a, a much larger one. So um, I'd love to, I'd love to shore that up, uh, you know, with some, with some, with some great insights that, that don't necessarily require the uncomfortable uh, or eliminate any sort of uncomfortable conversation that a client doesn't necessarily want to have with you. Just, just keep going, get the work done. It's fine. I'll tell you when there's a problem, which is fine, but I'd rather, I'd rather know what those indicators are that the problem's coming uh, objectively from you early. Any other cool stuff that you're doing with data or any, any uh, tips? What happened early in the RevOps sort of cycle, there's a lot of predictive stuff, right? There's all this, how do you predict uh, customer behavior. How do you how do you hone in on forecasting and make sure that those forecasts are are hyper accurate? Um, and I think we kind of kind of moved away a little bit from sort of that predictive component and just into real time um, for decision making. But I think there's a lot of value in in the predictive aspect of things. So so we're trying to we have a very strong internally we have a very strong uh, data practice. It does leverage a lot of AI. We do really cool projects in the AI space for, for clients, things I didn't know when we, when we came in, like visually inspect the quality of welds uh, and, and, you know, computer says whether or not that the, the weld passes a particular test to lower the cost and increase the safety for, you know, machinery, for instance. Um, so applying that type of industrial grade uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning internally to predict the things that we're talking about. When will someone need a particular service? What, 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 what are the environmental aspects, the, the, the industry aspects, the market aspects that drive someone to, to, to make a decision to either replace their banking core or delay replacing their banking core? Um, are interesting. So that's that we're working on that internally. We're not really uh, looking at third party, but internally, it's sort of an eat your own cooking, right? We, we do these really interesting analytic projects for others. And uh, we don't want to be one of those, uh, you know, cobbler's children type of organizations where we do it for everybody else, but we don't do it for ourselves. So so really trying to drive that industrial grade institutional uh, uh, insights platform thought process into what we do on a daily basis uh, is, is where we are. So maybe in, in the future, I can give you more details because it's uh, it's kind of skunk worksy for us right now. But but uh, we're getting a really interesting view into into customers, uh, you know, based on applying those types of uh, analytic techniques. All right. Any final thoughts on tools or tech or data or anything like that? We're not delivering software. We're delivering human beings who are delivering software. Um, so, you know, any any person responsible for RevOps, any person responsible for the customer and maximizing value to and value from the customer needs to focus first and foremost on those aspects. You know, developing real honest to goodness trust, which which means you have to have skill, you have to have integrity. Um, you know, you have to do what you say and say what you do. All right, let's get to our last segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Scott, are you ready? I'll do my best. 
if you could make any animal any size, what animal and what size? For my daughter, I would shrink an elephant to like a dog size. I think that, that would be a very fun creature to be around. <laughs> Do you have a favorite book or podcast or TV show that you've been checking out recently? My favorite podcast is uh, Taste Buds. I'm also a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell. So anything he writes, anything he puts out there, I, I will consume voraciously. What is your best advice for a CRO trying to figure out RevOps? It's understanding where your team is coming from. That's that empathy-based sort of leadership style. Understanding what motivates them, understanding where their challenges lie, and then being a leader, not uh, you know, leading and doing are two different things. I, I'm all for general, not kernel. I'm all for, you know, being in the field, leading by example. But, but you know, knowing when you need to allow your team to actually exercise the skills that they have, as opposed to dictating those skills to them. Scott, awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Any uh, Any final thoughts, anything to plug? No, it's, it's been a real pleasure, Ian. I love the show. It, it's, it's very insightful. I, I love listening to folks, especially coming from other industries and, and, and sharing and participating. So it's been a real pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The pipeline cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.